Welcome to the 315 Podcast. My name is Keith, and what a privilege it is to welcome you to this ministry of Jackson First Baptist Church as we are committed to answering the questions of our day from a biblical perspective. I welcome in my often partner in this, Chris. And, and Chris, it's, it's such a joy to be around the mic again, both of us with our Bibles open and, and ready to talk today. Amen. And as always, we're excited that uh, we have an audience that's active and listening to uh, what's going on and has given us a lot of input for the subjects that we will cover. So we thank you for uh, listening, but also sharing uh, this podcast that it may be a blessing to those who are with you. Yeah, and I look forward to down the road, as last night you were sharing with our students, that we're going to do, do a live broadcast with other folks in the room asking questions. So today our, our question comes uh, from a listener, and it's a three-part question. Uh, we're going to deal, deal with them one at a time. And, and here it is, Chris. This is a good question. What does biblical love look like? Yeah, and how can we exemplify it? And what's the difference between loving someone and tolerating someone? So we'll, we've got a lot of steps that we'll need to break down and through this. Well, you know, I thought about this yesterday, had a t- time to, to pray through it and, and search scripture. I mean, th- this topic, I, I wrote this down uh, because of our sinful nature is as broad as the ocean is wide. Uh, there's biblical love, there's not. There's non-biblical love, and we'll talk about some of that. But in, in scripture, uh, we find a description of love and and talk about that for a moment from 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13 uh, is known as the love chapter um, in the way of love. And as Paul writes to the church, he says this in verses 4 through 7. In chapter 13, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Wow. When I, when I hear that, uh, I, I would say to those who, who are listening, and especially to the wonderful person who's sending in the question, there is what it looks like. But boy, to get there to do that de- demands some discussion, doesn't it? It does because we also have to recognize that there's a barrier mm-hmm. there. Now, we can read uh, in Scripture uh, the description of godly love and uh, his way for us to care for one another, but we also have to recognize uh, what keeps us from doing that. And we know that what keeps us from doing it is sin. Yeah. Sin b- creates a barrier uh, to love appropriately. I came across a quote yesterday, you, you and I, and a lot of us subscribe to uh, the pour over. Uh, the, the, it's about a five minute read, it comes three times a week about all that's going on in the world. And, and it, there was a quote from Brand Hansen, and I included it in, my, in a thought for our talk today because it kind of amplifies what you just said. Yeah. Uh, he, he says, anger is extraordinarily easy. It's our default setting. Love is difficult. Love is a miracle. It was something that was perfect in the garden, Chris, that we talk about often here because we have a biblical worldview in what we do. But, boy, when sin came, as you just said, that, that just absolutely blew up love, didn't it? It did it because it, what was perfect harmony in the garden now had a divide um, with the fellowship of man and and God, and so sin created that barrier. But it also uh, created the disaster that's around us, um, and and so when we recognize that that sin is the opposite of the love or the standard that God has, then we realize that there's kind of a battle yeah. for for true love. 
There is. I, I would just give this footnote. If you're a parent and you have your kids in the room, there's a little small section in our talk today that maybe that they're probably not ready to hear yet as we talk about some perversions of love. So I just encourage you as a footnote maybe to not have them in the room at that time as we talk about that as well. Uh, again, Chris, back to what you said, that sin did change everything. The perfect unconditional love in the garden. And then the very first thing that you find after they sinned and God cast them out of the garden was you, you find the opposite of love, didn't you? You do. With Cain and Abel, uh, we see... An example of a brother rising up and killing his brother um, out of jealousy and resentment. Um, and so when we walk through this, we know uh, that because of that sin condition, we are prone uh, to walk uh, in a in a matter that would be completely opposite because we're not walking in that unconditional love that God has for us. Yeah, and so when God came back along, and said, I want to help you here. The first thing that he gave to point us in the right direction was he gave it to Moses. He gave the Ten Commandments. And all those commandments, uh, the first four of how we love God and the last six are how we love each other. And, you know, when God gave gave that, well, the first thing that he did is it, when he had the children of Israel, and I love this in Leviticus 19, he said this, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this, Chris, I am the Lord. We know that the way back to love begins with God, doesn't it? It does. And we know that um, God is a proponent of it, but he also exemplified mm -hmm. it through Jesus' life. So he didn't just call us back to this love, but he showed us what true love looks like through through Jesus, that when he would come, that he would restore what was lost. In, in our society, I'll piggyback off of that. In our society, there, there's so much, and we'll get into definitions in a minute. There's so much uh, words that are, or the word love thrown around. How, how hard, much harder is it today because of mass media to try to come to uh, one view of what love is? Well, we have to know the source of that mm -hmm. love. Now, if if I don't know God, then the source of my recognizing of love will be myself mm -hmm. um, and what I like and what I want, and it's a selfish love. But if we look at it through God's lens, then we realize that it's not not the same. It's, mm -hmm. it's a selfless love um, and care for one another. And it is, but think about this. Let me dig a little deeper with you here. Uh, you was like a politician there. Ask you one thing, and yeah. you answered what you wanted to. Yeah. And that's, 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 I'm just kidding with that part. But And we banter a little bit in love. Uh, but think about, let's, let's use Josiah, who, who's your young one. You and Catherine exhibit to him a biblical love to him yeah. in many ways. But what you expose him to and you have to be careful because if and who he's with, you have to be careful because you know uh, how many how many kids at a young age, and I think you're tracking with me now where I'm trying to get to, uh, kids at a young age are exposed to perversion of love. And and so true love is not only something that originates with God, it's a battle to keep God in front of them, isn't it? Yeah, it, you're correct in, in that protection of them and, and what they receive. I, I think that, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, 
there's always a battle for our heart and mm -hmm. there's always a battle for our mind. And so what we put in front of us will change what we're willing to tolerate, but also willing to receive, uh, which can drive how we love, but not just on us, but those who we expose it to as well. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, yeah. can re I can remember when, when uh, our two older ones were younger and, and, and our John was very young. Uh, we were watching a particular sitcom. We'd watched the first season of it, and it was really good. It was wholesome. But they'd made a change in season two that we didn't know. And as we were sitting sitting there watching, the father took his kids to a particular place. I'm trying to be vague. And we were sitting there, and then he mentioned something, and then the son was at a particular aisle, and he looked at something, and he just brought it out. And I'll never forget this, unless I lose my mind. And which could be, <laughs> but it, my youngest son said, dad, what is, and he spoke of that sinful thing. And I, I, that has so many times helped me to realize that if, if you are looking for true love, friend, as you listen to this today, you have to begin with the standard. Jesus said, John 13, 34, he said, uh, follow me. And he said, as I have loved you, so a new commandment I give unto you, that you should love one another. As I have loved you, you should love one another. When you get that in place, don't just think that automatically happens, does it? No. But you have, particularly if those of you, the moms in the room, you have to be on guard with that all the time. And dads, you have to be on guard to love your wife the right way because if not, they get this unhealthy pattern, don't they? Yeah, if we don't model uh, what the love and the example is, then they'll take what culture's throwing at them. Um, I know for me, it was since I came to faith later in life, there was a lot of decluttering what I had learned, mm -hmm. you know, uh, leading up to that. So it was like, you know, there were things that were God worked in the the background that I realized what His love was. But to get to that point, I had to really declutter what I thought was love, and and so yeah, it's very impressionable, but also not realizing the impact that we have on others as we display and, and follow through with it. That's good. And so we, we've now kind of talked a little bit, getting, getting your juices up, folks, as you, as you listen today, getting your juices ready for what we're going to talk about in a deeper still. First John 4 and 7 says true love is from God. Chris, let's just try to define some terms now. Uh, there's, there's godly love. There's hu human love. There's ungodly love. What is God's love? Yeah, it's a divine attribute that indicates God's disposition uh, to be self-giving and for the good of the other. That is a boatload of a statement. Let's, yeah. let, let's unpack it. It's his attribute that God's disposition. What's a disposition? It's a standing okay. or uh, the position of him. Okay. It's it's where they're coming. We'd yeah. say that it's it's where they're coming from. That so we when when First John four and seven says love is from God. Mm -hmm. when, when so, so God took this standing that He's going to demonstrate love and by self giving. Yeah. Explain self giving. That it's not uh, just for Himself. It's okay. not just that He would receive it, um, but He would go beyond that. Uh, for the care or betterment of others. Wow. Yeah. And so we know the greatest example of that's John 3, 16. We see that at the cross. But folks, as, as, as you listen to that, God chose in heaven to put him in a, a position or a disposition that he says, I'm going to love humanity. Now, Chris, that's amazing. 
we know that the number one used word in Scripture in the New Testament is the word agape, which is unconditional. Mm-hmm. And so God chose. Now think about this, friends. God chose to unconditionally love you. And so, Krista, do we have to do anything for him to get in that that position, or is he already there? He was already there. I mean, the display of, as you mentioned, John 3.16 um, reminds us of that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But then we read in Romans um, 5.8 that while we were still sinners, mm-hmm. Christ died for us. So that selfless or giving of of himself um that standard that he set forth is that that love on display that we didn't earn it we didn't um do anything in our part uh, to justify it other than him freely freely um showing us it that is a foreign concept folks as you mm-hmm. listen to this today that somebody or someone would love you without you having to do anything to earn that love when i was a younger guy you probably have heard the song Tina Turner, you know, she's saying, what's love got to do it, do with it? And she said, love is a secondhand emotion. Yeah. I, I did some research, you know, she was in an abusive relationship in marriage when she, when he wrote that song. And there's a movie about what called what's love got to do with it. But when you look to God, you look to God who unconditionally loves from a position that there, there's nothing unholy about him, is there? When somebody loves you, that's, that's a pure love that in the attributes we're looking at from the Logos website that I pulled up. I mean, when he's good, he's merciful, he's graceful, he's compassionate, he's faithful, he's holy, he's just, he's jealous for the truth, and he's a God of wrath. But all of that is couched in his love, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And as it's displayed, um, and we know that it's unconditional, that means he didn't tell us that, um, I'm going to go to the cross if you do this. Yeah. He went to the cross to show us the display of, of the standard of love that he has. You know, you and I grew up, I'll love you if you love me. Hmm. Uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your. That, that's, that is a sinful disposition that people have. But there's, there's a letter in the Bible if you're wanting to say, what is the best place or the best place I could go to find out what true love is, what God's love is, and how I'm living? The book of 1 John does that clearly. In 1 John 4 and 7, it says this, Beloved let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, I don't mean to push back from Scripture here, but, but, I, but I need to for a moment for our listeners. Because some people say, well, so-and-so told me that they love me, and they're not a Christian. So how, how is God's Word true here when it says here, Chris, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God? How do you answer that? It would be the standard of love, okay. I guess. Uh, because I can care for someone um, like a child. I, you know, even if Catherine and I weren't saved and we were married and we had Josiah, I'm going to love Josiah, but I'm not going to love him the best that God would have for me because my sin creates because that Because you can't, yeah. Yeah, and so I can communicate that I love and I care, um, but at the heart of it, the sinful heart, my love is not going to be unconditional always. There's always going to be an underlining condition. You know, I'll love my child um, if they meet my standard. Mm-hmm. Or I'll love my wife if, you know, this is done as well or she doesn't do this. Um, and, and, you know, we can insert whatever example we want to, but we create those 
barriers that we have a a delusioned view of what God's love is because we've created our own. The the best marriage, the best friendship, the best work environment, the best anything is when the person that you're with, working with, you're parenting or being parented by has this unconditional love for you that says this. Now, a mother has to have some of that or she or she can't raise her kids yeah. because, you know, if you only gave your kid food when they did what was right, they'd probably be pretty skinny, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if, you only, if you only loved your spouse when they earned that love, it would be very difficult. And that's why marriage is in. And sadly, Chris, that's, that's why there's so much abuse to children in our world today. It's because now think about it. If you don't have that love coming from God, because the scripture goes on to say this. Folks, this is good stuff. Now lean in. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. That When people don't have the unconditional love of God in their life, Chris, it's impossible for you to dump out somebody's wrongs. You carry it. And the only way you can over you can overcome it apart from Christ is that you have to, in anger, to just beat that out of your life. Yeah. And so what happens is, is we see it all the time, we see people that profess Christ, they're just angry people, don't we? Mm-hmm. And so what we hope you get today, and, and thanks again to the person who reached out to us with a topic, you know, what is biblical love? It is love that originates with God, that evidences itself in that First Corinthians 13, love, love is, is kind in all those things that we go through. But to get there is a journey. It begins with surrender your life to him. But Chris, for, for a moment, it, it, as you think about what you've just heard me say for a moment, without God in the mix, how can somebody get through this society without that? Without God in the mix, I think what we do is we enable and tolerate wow. and we mix that with love. Mm-hmm. Because when sin corrupts our view of love, then we weaponize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or love is actually replaced with lust because I want essentially pleasure. Um, and so there's that, that misconception of uh, we'll replace what God intended with what we want and what we desire. And we'll weaponize it in such a way that we manipulate the others so that we're satisfied. And so getting through this world apart from God would be at my own gain of, you know, what's better for me? What can I do to get out of others? Um, And I'm not going to be satisfied until I do more to get to what I want. Um, Or on the complete opposite side, I will allow people to manipulate and Mm -hmm. abuse me and take advantage of me because they communicate that they care for me. Um, And so we're, we receive that and we call it love when all it is is just pain and sin that's corrupting us. And so this standard that you set forth uh, through God's word of saying, you know, God is love, his love's unconditional, then it gives us the example that there's more to the picture than, you know, what I can pull from others. It's not necessarily what I can get out of them, but it's what can I give them um, in, in a right relationship with Jesus or through Jesus. And so, I think there's got to be a healthy step back and realizing, you know, if I claim to love my spouse, if I claim to love my child, my friend, people in general, then I got to do an introspection of where that root Mm -hmm. of love comes from. Is it self-serving? Is it self, you know, preservation? Or is it for the betterment 
that they would succeed. Um, and so, you know, we'll we'll kind of get into the concepts a little bit more. And we have in previous con- uh, uh, podcasts about, you know, love says the hard things uh, for the betterment of them. Love cares. It, it's not just tolerating um, so that the other person's happy, but it's being able to love them and help them mature in Christ as well. Um, and so there's there's a healthy balance, but the root of all of that comes through a healthy relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit and with God. And again, that begins in salvation, mm-hmm. and then in salvation there is as much detoxing, as, you, as we've said earlier, from the ways that we had. And some of us, it's buried so deep in us that it takes years uh, unless you're willing to immediately submit yourself to a church that says, I want to grow, break me apart. I, I can say this over the 20-some years, uh, actually 30 now in ministry, I can count on one hand the times that someone has come and said, I, I want to I be a Christ follower who unconditionally loves, so break me down, tell me all that you see in my life, and help me to rebuild because it, it, that's a, such a foreign concept. But when you understand unconditional love, that that love turns into brotherly love. Yeah. Uh, and then when it's a sexual love inside of the b- boundaries that God has in marriage, friends, that is just something that's just amazing. But love becomes conditional. It's a weapon, and it's replaced by lust when it when it's the world's love. Now, on the opposite side of that is God's love. But but the devil comes back. I'll, I'll hear for a moment. The devil comes back, Chris, and he says, "All right." I know you people know it's in, in you something that what's wrong and, and some things what's right. So what I can do is give a counterfeit. Hmm. I, and I came across this article, and um, and I won't even say the website because I, I don't want anybody to go to it. But I, th- this particular person wrote a book, and they, they stated this about unconditional love. And it, it sounds really good on the front end. Unconditional love is an unlimited way of being. We are without any limits to our thoughts and feelings in life and can create any reality we choose to focus our attention upon. There are infinite imaginative possibilities when we allow the freedom, now listen to this, to go beyond, now this sounds good up front, beyond our perceived limits. If we can dream it, we can build it. Life through unconditional love is a wondrous adventure that excites the very core of our being and lights our path with the light. Now, if, if you're connected to God, and you're following the parameters, Chris, that, that God has set for you, that's going to be ex- wonderful. But if you're sinful, it's a different concept, isn't it? Yeah, it is because if I'm not connected to God, it's going to be uh, a completely opposite because God has the path of love, but there's also parameters of what is love and what's not mm-hmm. love. And that's when he cast them out of the garden because they're sin. God's parameters would have to end up being do not murder because Cain and Abel murdered. And 1 John 3 says this very clearly. Listen to this, folks. Chapter 3, verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer can have eternal life. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we laid down our lives for our brothers. When we when you find the corrupt section of that, you realize in Romans 1, 18, that man changed what is love for what is not love. And we know that to be rebellion. But some people, Chris, they'll say this, just let me love the way I want to love. That is is so anti what God says, isn't it? Yeah, because it goes, again, to that self-serving nature that we talked mm-hmm. about. If 
you just leave me to my own devices. That's you really loving me. And it's not because when we care and, and we love someone, then the the driver of that is a, a relationship with Jesus. And, and that's what it circles back to because it's the standard of love which he has for us. And when we get outside of his standard, then that's when we pervert it or uh, we make it our own. Um, and, and then we're asking for toleration when... And we mask it by using the word love. That that's extremely important, folks, for you to hear. They they mask it, or we can mask it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to give two. And here's the part: maybe your children for sure don't want to listen to uh, with you as young children. Uh, we live in society that we believe that the Scripture teaches that there are parameters that sexual love is to be between a husband and a wife in the relationship together. We we believe that there's sins of perversion of all kinds. And one of those sins is the exploitation of children. And we've believed that from the very beginning. But in a society that, that is rebellious against God and is perverted view of love, today, Chris, it, it's being debated in several, in several states now. There's always been penalties given for the abuse of children. But today, uh, psychiatrists and psychologists, are today, they've created a new term. They're propagating that when a person... Is, is sinfully looking at a child with a sexual orientation to do that. They've now changed it to child-attracted person. Hmm. I mean, for us, it breaks our heart. Now, you, you imagine in the name of love, they're saying that sinful view is correct because all that person is, they're just attracted to children. Well, you know, that is just straight-up sinful. Yeah, it is, and, and heartbreaking to know because one of the things that uh, we fail to realize is that when we've replaced love with lust, it's a downward spiral that our heart and soul's yeah. never satisfied until it worsens, and society worsens because of that. And so when we hear things like this, we're like, no, this can't be the case. It is because in our DNA of a society, we are replacing with the love standard that God would have with with that lust or um, exploitation. And then you get things like this, and, and I hear that, and I'm like, gosh, it's devastating. It's Having a young child, you know, it's devastating to think, like, how I have to safeguard and protect. And, and you know, it's not just little girls, it's little boys, too, that you got to protect. That's exactly that. right. And so um, it's like, as a parent, you're like, man, this is, this is devastating news, but for the person struggling or the lawmakers that are even debating it, it's because of the sin disposition that they can drive that and justify their position because it's not love. It's, it's a replacement of it. And they, and, and literally thanks be unto God that he's awakened our eyes to the truth of scripture, not that generated from us, but came from God's disposition of truth and of his love at, at that same time, as you think about, even farther back in our history, that when abortion came to be, people are debate that so many ways. But the biblical truth is, is it's murder. And also the biblical truth, it is, it is a society that says, God, I know you say that sex is to, to be that healthy thing between a husband and a wife, the pleasure that God gives them in united together, a picture of Christ in his church, but also for the purpose of procreation. God did not give us sex just to go out and have it with a hundred different people or a thousand people. And so when people brought forth abortion, Chris, 
in this this subject of love, they're saying, I love to have sex, and who is God yeah. to tell me that this unwanted creation is actually somebody? And so all this ties to it. It's, it, it is the deep perversion because you you and Catherine having wanted children so bad, praying for children, and so many more that could not have children are wanting it in the right kind of love. And so, folks, we could talk about There's other podcasts that we've dealt with that. But let me give you one other. There are those in the church. Hmm. There are those in the, in the, in the church that if they create their own definitions as well. And uh, there's the Mars Hill podcast that we all listen to here. It's, and it's, it's on Christianity Today. Women, because of people like Mark Driscoll, who propagate that he believes that women were created in that marriage relationship for whatever the husband desires. And I'm quoting directly. I'm not taking this as a generality. Uh, Chris, men are exploiting women saying this is what love is. But again, it is a perverted view, isn't it? It is because you're you're subjecting them uh, for your own personal pleasure and then calling it love. Like, if you love me, you'll do this for yeah. me. That's conditional. Yep. Um, and, and not meeting the needs and, and the desires and... Um, the selflessness that they would have and said, it's like, what, what can make me better or make me feel better? Or, and, and that's not love at all. That's, that is us just trying to push and pull and get what we want and masquerading it as something else. I'm so glad that we still live basically in a free country because in many countries, this would have been cut off already once, once it goes out for public uh, publication. And I, I would say this at this point, folks. The question was asked, uh, what is biblical love and how do you exemplify it? Biblical love begins with coming into relationship with God. When you do, you give yourself to God and you give yourself to God's ways. Christ laid down his life and he asked us to lay down our lives. But, and it begins here. And you, when you come out of those patterns, then you begin to live that self-love and it, Chris, it begins to exemplify itself, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it, and it comes from from God. And we've talked multiple times about having a biblical worldview mm-hmm. and what you're able to go back for and point through Scripture and, and create that as the lens in which you view everything else. Um, then, then we know, especially with this subject and other subjects, you have a clear path. It's, it's a lens. Now, if we can have the clear path and knowing what the Bible says, then we also have to have a clear confession of saying, God, mm-hmm. rid me of my sinful view so that I don't pervert what your text says or, or make what your text says what I want it to say. Yeah. Well, that's so so important, love. Well, how do I know if, if, I, if I have biblical love? Well, he, here's some easy indicators. If you value other people, yeah. not, not as, as exploitation, they don't exist for you, but they, they exist to glorify God. And when you follow that pattern, Chris, not only do you value people, you begin to serve people. Sim- simplest of things. I have for 30 years, by the grace of God, not for bragging reasons, I love to do it. I love to open the door for people hmm. uh, because I, I see value. I, I love to step aside and just say to somebody that they, they have value. You also, you give grace to people. Hmm. Uh, you give mercy to you. You look at people through the lens of what they can become. And here's, here's another one, as, as I think through this, friends, is this. I, I believe this with all my heart, that you start treating both the Christian and the non-Christian in the same way. Yeah. 
uh, if, if you're a Christian, say, I, I love Christians and I hate other people. Well, Jesus is so clear that that, that is such a wrong thing. First uh, John says that if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, you must also love those who are around you. Yeah. And that's important, isn't it? Yeah, it's an important to care um, because if we love in the unconditional standard, then we know that the display on the cross, which is our you know full depiction of God's love, we know that he went there even though people would reject him yeah. or would not receive it or would not want it. And so it wasn't that he only died for those who would receive it. He died for all of mankind knowing that we would reject it or knowing that some would reject it. And so when I love or care for someone, I'm not loving them um, to what I'm going to get out of it. I'm loving them to show them who Christ is. Yeah. So, yeah, it should drive my love for an unsaved person just as much as it does for a saved person because I want ultimately for a right relationship and in, in them to have a display of God's love for them. Well, God had empathy for us yeah. that Jesus came and identified with us. He identified with lost people. I, I was reading just this morning in Mark as we're doing that 90 days as a, as a staff. I, I was again back to the rich young ruler, and it said this, that he loved, he loved him even though he knew that this guy had no love for him in his heart. And, and friends, I want to encourage you today, Not if you're in a situation where some of the things we've talked about that you've been exploited, we're not saying stay in that, that, that relationship. We're not staying stay around that person. But, but to have empathy for, the, for your common man. Uh, for example, when Osama bin Laden was killed, I can, I can remember it so well. I'm, I'm writing in a book about him, a part of that in the book. And I can remember everybody rejoicing that he had died. Yeah. I, I, too, was glad that he was no longer able to propagate his evil. But the Lord reminded me in that moment as I almost had a smile, Keith, that man is in hell today. Hmm. And, and, it, and it, just, it stunned me in that moment. And he said, is that any way for you to be to rejoice over the, over the death of the wicked far as eternity. Yeah. And so I, I want to encourage you today as you listen to this, it may be that your issue you can't biblically love because you don't biblically understand what God, God's dynamic is. And so if you will come back to understand that we're all sinners in the need of a holy God, and if we don't receive God and his love into our lives, we're going to spend eternity apart from him. And I'm willing to, you know, I'm willing to go through a few things. I'm willing to be be uh, talked down to. I'm willing to be disrespected yeah. if that means they come to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that really applies particularly if, in parenting. You got to go through some things before they really see the love, don't you? You do. It's the endurance of love. I mean, yep. it, didn't, it says endure all things. That was the example in, oh, yeah. in First Corinthians. So it's being able to push forward when we're not getting what we want because we want ultimately at the end of the day, an eternal outcome yeah. for their benefit. And so we do have to push through those barriers. Well, John even says that in First John 4 and 16, for God is love and whoever abides in his love abides in God and God abides in him. And it, it, it is that endurance. And I want to encourage the listeners today that you would be willing to endure in that, uh, that you would exemplify it, that when people finally, here's the key, if you just exemplify it and don't explain it, they still are lost or they still stay where they are because at some point you got to have the conversation and, and they're going to say, 
how do you do this? Hmm. And, and, and to say, well, I'm just a loving person is not going to change people. No. You have to tell them, as you've on this podcast so many times heard about, uh, that, that, you, that the love of Christ is there. And so I hope this podcast has helped you today. It sure helped me as I worked through it yesterday. Uh, I, I wrote a book several years ago on a commentary on First John. I, uh, it, we still have some copies. If you'll reach out to us, Chris, tell you how to do all that in a minute. Uh, I'll, I'll send you that book free to you. All we ask you to do is just just pay for the shipping and handling. So if you, if you want a copy of that book, I'll help you to walk through. It's called What's Next. Now that you're a Christian, what's next? And it's the love of God. And I'm not. we're not trying to sell anything. We're giving it away. Uh, I think it'll help you in a time of walking through that. But, Chris, as always, it's good to be together on the podcast. Tell our folks how they can receive these resources and, and, and encourage them, as you always do, to, <laughs> to keep sharing, keep listening, keep sending them their questions. Amen. We thank you uh, for being a part of today's podcast as we talk through the biblical standard of love. We thank you that you continue uh, to send us in questions, and we encourage you to do so. You can find out all of our information in the description on what, uh, whichever podcast platform you are listening to us on. Um, and we love to hear uh, from you. If there's things that throughout the discussion today that sparked more questions, please reach out. We'd love to discuss them uh, with you and, and help give an answer uh, to what you may have. Uh, and as always, thank you. And we look forward uh, to being with you next Thursday as well. God bless and have a good day.